3: Anyone else have a hangover today? Uh, not the one caused by alcohol. The hangover movie. We'll explain what that means coming up in a couple of moments if you are not cool and hip to everything that's been happening on social media today involving Notre Dame football. We'll plug in here in a second. Welcome to the program. Eight minutes after five o'clock, Budweiser's weekday sports beat from our WSBT studios in downtown South Bend, Indiana. Your Wednesday, July the 27th of 2022. We've got some beautiful sunshine right now in downtown South Bend, very pleasant day. As we inch closer to the start of Notre Dame football practice. Right now it's 84 degrees in downtown south bend i would bet most football players would take 84 on the first day of fall practice considering it could be a heck of a lot warmer and a whole lot more uncomfortable we'll find out the forecast for next week here in a few days but we're looking forward to the start of notre dame football around these parts and next friday will be the first practice and marcus freeman meeting the media the next day Tommy Reese and the quarterbacks will be speaking to the media so looking forward to hearing from Coach Freeman and Coach Reese and the quarterbacks right off the bat as we get you started for another Notre Dame football season here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT we'll have you locked in throughout the football season from five until seven o'clock here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat and Today, tomorrow, the next thing throughout the season will be live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com. And on the WSBT Radio app, which is free, you can get it right now, download it at the iTunes or Google Play Store. Just search WSBT Radio. And also we have a video stream going of the program on the Twitch app. It's a free download. And once you have the Twitch app, you can just search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports beat on the air until just about 640 when we step aside for South Bend Cubs baseball. The Cubbies taking on the Guardians affiliate in the Midwest League. They are the Lake County Captains. pregame 645 first pitch from Four Winds Field at 705. Sportsbeat brought to you by our title sponsor Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By Bowler's Country Club, inviting you to their annual Corn and Sausage Roast this Saturday, July 30th. Lots of fun. For everyone. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Hunger is a Story We Can End. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And we are looking forward to the next two hours. Let's get right to it. Let's talk about some Notre Dame football. We've got coming up Tyler Horka, Blue and Gold Illustrated, Notre Dame football. Insider. He's going to join me at 6.07. We'll talk all things fighting Irish football heading into fall camp. Also coming up on the program this evening, comments from Iowa head football coach Kirk Ferentz on the state of college football. A look at the ACC media polls and where Irish opponents stack up in these media polls. We have our Twitter question of the day coming up in just a little bit, and it centers around the opener. Between Notre Dame and Ohio State. And I also want to spend a little time on the Chicago Cubs as we inch toward the trade deadline, which is at 6 o'clock on August the 2nd. I'm going to put forth some of the leading candidates from that Cub roster that likely will be traded between now and August the 2nd. That's all coming up here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: The first pitch of the first pitch of the night, and we are ready for the first pitch. Of- Into the windup in his first offering, just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
3: Well, Notre Dame went Hollywood today. If you follow Fighting Irish football on social media, many different social media outlets to follow Notre Dame football they had a very creative release of their uniform for the Shamrock Series game out in Vegas, baby. October 8th against Brigham Young University. I don't get overly caught up in uniforms, in particular football uniforms, but I'll say this. The uniforms that Notre Dame will wear against BYU are very cool. There's a little Las Vegas in them. You've got The white uniform with the gold lettering. It looks pretty sharp. And I like the fact they left the helmet alone. That's always been my thing. If you want to talk about the uniforms, great. I don't really care, but just leave the helmet alone. It is one of the most iconic helmets in any sport. Baseball, hockey, football. And I'm glad it's just the old Irish helmet. Coming to Las Vegas when Notre Dame takes on BYU. But Notre Dame got creative, and they used a scene from The Hangover. There's a lot of interesting scenes in The Hangover. (laughs) They went with the most G-rated of scenes, although the scene they kind of play off of (laughs) has a lot more interesting things happening In the actual movie, but wisely left out of this rendition of The Hangover. You got a Rolls Royce with Marcus Freeman, Isaiah Foskey, and Michael Mayer. I guess Marcus Freeman is playing Phil, the Bradley Cooper character. Zach Galifianakis, who plays Alan, that's Michael Mayer. And Isaiah Foskey. If I remember right, I didn't go back and look at the scene today. But I think he would be Ed Helm Stu, who loses his tooth along the way. Gets his face tattooed. And eventually gets married to Heather Graham. Of the three things, that's definitely the best. But they come out of their car and out of the other car. That would be Ken Young's character, Mr. Chow, is Mike Golick Sr. and Mike Golick Jr. They have the uniform, and there's a little trade of kind of the bag that the Notre Dame guys have for the uniforms, and they get given the wrong one, and I was just waiting for Ken Young to hop out of the Golick car, but... If I remember correctly, he didn't have much of a wardrobe in that particular scene. So probably a good thing Ken did not join us from that vehicle. Or maybe that was a different scene. But anyway. So eventually Notre Dame finds the actual uniform on top of the MGM. It was really cool that they're in the same spot where that mattress was. Or at least it looked like it to me it was the same spot. And they found the white jersey. Turned out cool. They end up in Las Vegas' stadium, the Death Star. And it was very, very well done. The Hangover is an interesting movie, but they definitely picked the right part to have some fun with. So, job well done by Fighting Irish Media stepping outside the box a little bit. And I have already seen on social media, oh, it's a rated R movie, there's sex, there's drugs. Can we just keep it simple? They're having some fun with the scene in the movie. Let's just don't overreact to every little thing that happens. Job well done. You can check it out on social media. It's about four minutes long. And I would assume Mayor's going to get an Emmy nomination for a great job of tripping, getting out of the car before the exchange of bags took place. Pretty good. And it's cool to see Marcus Freeman being involved in these things. They are definitely putting him front and center in so many things. He's got the great smile, the great personality. He's got the enthusiasm. The announcement of wearing green jerseys against Cal was absolutely fantastic. I think Irish media's has underachieved a little bit through the years. Man, they are coming out swinging the last few months. This is terrific stuff. They're now doing difference-making material, and I'm just really curious to see what they're going to do next. It's going to be tough to top that one. That was really good. So hopefully you have a chance to watch it, and job well done by everyone involved. So the hangover, Marcus Freeman playing Bradley Cooper. What more could you want? So, we will see those uniforms when the Irish take on BYU out in Las Vegas on October the 8th. BYU's got an interesting first game at South Florida. BYU favored by about 12. Could be a tough game for the old Cougars. South Florida might be ready to make a little turn of their program this year. Hot and humid down there in Florida coming from BYU's campus, that might be a dangerous old game for BYU. At least the plus 12 for South Florida might be kind of enticing. Well, the ACC media poll is out for the Atlantic and Coastal Divisions. And Notre Dame has four opponents on their schedule this year from the Atlantic Coast Conference. One of those four teams is from the Coastal Division. And that is the North Carolina Tar Heels, who have not announced their starting quarterback as of yet. Carolina, one of the more underachieving teams in college football last year. Maybe they were overhyped at the start of the year, being ranked number 10 in the country in one of the polls. Maybe they were ranked properly and just underachieved, whatever the case may be. That season did not turn out the way most Tar Heel fans expected. New quarterback for Carolina. They're still number three in the Coastal Division. The Irish will head to Chapel Hill to take on the Heels on September the 24th. In the Coastal Division, the Miami Hurricanes picked to win that side of the ACC. They got 98 first place votes by far the most. The second-most first-place votes, the Kenny Pickett-less Pittsburgh Panthers. The Jordan Addison-less Pittsburgh Panthers. That defense still could be awfully, awfully good. They've got a really good pass rush there at Pitt. Panthers ranked second in the Coastal Division. They got 38 first-place votes. Carolina got 18. A little surprised by that. Fourth place in the voting, the Virginia Cavaliers. They got their quarterback back. Pretty good offense when he was healthy. They got six first-place votes. Fifth place in the voting in the Coastal Division, the Virginia Tech Hokies, they got three first-place votes. Georgia Tech actually got a first-place vote. Someone from Atlanta voted for them. They're sixth, and Duke is number seven. Mike Elko, the former Notre Dame defensive coordinator, is now the head coach at Duke. Then we go to the ACC Atlantic division where you find three Notre Dame opponents this year. The overwhelming choice to win the Atlantic, the Clemson Tigers coming off a subpar season last year. The offense was horrible. They got 111 first place votes. The Irish will host Clemson primetime football at Notre Dame Stadium on November the 5th. Will Shipley against the Irish defense. Second place, North Carolina State, a very popular team in the preseason. 44 first place votes. Wake Forest got six first place votes. How about that offense they had last year? Wake Forest picked third in the Atlantic. Fourth is Louisville coming off a couple of so-so years. They're ahead of Florida State. Man, I thought Florida State would be a lot better last year. didn't happen, so I'm very hesitant to say they're going to be a whole lot better this year. Oh, what the heck. They're going to beat LSU in their second game of the year. They're going to beat Duquesne, and then they're going to beat LSU at the Superdome down in New Orleans. So here I go again, banking on Florida State. Seminoles got two first-place votes. They're picked fifth in the Atlantic Division. The two teams picked at the bottom of the Atlantic are Notre Dame opponents. Sixth place, Phil, Phil Drakovic, and Boston College. The Eagles sixth with one first place vote. The Eagles come to South Bend to take on the Irish November the 19th. And finishing last in the Atlantic Division, according to the media, the Syracuse Orange. Notre Dame at Syracuse, October the 29th. I took a trip to upstate New York earlier this summer. First time I've been to the upstate. Went to Syracuse, wanted to see the campus. Wanted to see where all the broadcasters go who can't get into SIU Edwardsville and they just have to settle for Syracuse. It's an okay camp, it's not bad, but I was stunned walking around the Carrier Dome. It might be the dullest facility I've ever seen from the outside. It is just concrete slabs. There are no windows except where there are doors where you can go in as a fan. I mean, it is unattractive. Now it serves its purpose. Basketball, football, they play lacrosse in there. Holds quite a few people for a basketball game, but man, from the outside, it is not the most attractive building to say the least, but it does the job for the Orange program. But for the football team, Notre Dame going to Syracuse October 29th, they'll probably be a big favorite in that matchup. 5:24 524 is our time. That's our sports beat. First pitches for tonight. Notre Dame goes Hollywood with their parody, The Hangover. And the ACC media polls are out. The Irish Space, the best team in the Atlantic, and then a couple other teams that are not expected to have great seasons. Coming up in a moment, our Twitter question of the day. It is 25 minutes after 5 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On your home of the fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now. Back to local sports talk on Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
3: NFL camps rolling today. Great to see the National Football League back on our radars. College football camps opening next week. If you love football, man, this is a great time of the year, especially Every team's fan base is excited. This could be the year we turn things around and we take the next step or we win a championship. It's all good right now. It can all change very quickly. Everybody has good vibes right now. Notre Dame getting set to take on Ohio State. Boy, that's not a cupcake opener, to say the least. In Columbus at the Horseshoe on September the 3rd, Ryan Day, the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, met the media today. Big Ten Media Day down at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. He was asked about the matchup against the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, and he said, quote, it's been real. I think our guys feel it. They feel the excitement. I think they feel the anticipation. I think they just feel the community rally around this team. But that first game being a night game, how else do you cut it? It's going to be electric, and our guys know that So there's a little bit of urgency about them, and there's going to be this preseason. Last year, we started on the road at Minnesota, and that was a big conference game on the road with a very inexperienced team, so we had to play well in that game. That's similar this year. Now we're at home, a little bit more experienced team, but the plan's going to be the same. We had to play really good football in the first game, and I think when you look at our season, we have to have competitive stamina. We have to play really good at the beginning of the year, and we've got to play really good at the end of the year. And that's the challenge of being Ohio State. you got to win them all. And so competitive stamina is one of the things we've been talking about as a team. Now, Ryan Day was asked about the possibility of Notre Dame joining the Big Ten. Marcus Freeman, former Ohio State player, now the head coach of Notre Dame. Didn't really want to talk about Notre Dame to the Big Ten, but Day said, quote, Well, I think it's an exciting time for our fans and an exciting time for our team. It's obviously an exciting time for the Big Ten and obviously the things that have gone on here in the last couple of months. And so I think it's a great opportunity to play against a really good opponent. Marcus Freeman does a very, very good job. He's got a very good staff. They're very knowledgeable, very energetic, do a great job of recruiting, do a great job schematically. So it's going to be a really big challenge for us. They've got a really good team coming into Ohio State, so all of those kinds, all of those things kind of have our attention. And so I think there's a little bit more attention to our guys just knowing what a big game we have to start the season off with, end quote. Well, ESPN-FPI gives the Buckeyes an 83.5% chance to beat the Fighting Irish in this opener. Day did mention he was playing golf with UCLA head coach Chip Kelly when they got a phone call from Nebraska head coach Scott Frost that USC and UCLA were coming to the Big Ten. So Ryan Day was right there with Chip Kelly when the news started to trickle out. Irish Buckeyes right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT on September the 3rd at 7.30. Truly one of the best games of the first couple of weeks of the college football season, if not one of the best non-conference game of the season. Oregon and Georgia also could be highly entertaining, and both of those games could affect down the road what happens in the college football playoffs, resumes, and all those good things. 5.34 at WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat Twitter Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
3: The Twitter Question of the Day pops up on my Twitter account each afternoon at 960 Sportsbeat. Yesterday's question... Which veteran Notre Dame wide receiver will have a bigger impact on the 2022 Irish offense? Braden Lindsey or Avery Davis? The voting wrapped up this afternoon. Avery Davis got 37.1% of the vote. Braden Lindsey, 62.9%. Davis coming off ACL surgery. The question is, will he retain his starting slot wide receiver position this year. You've got a guy like Lorenzo Styles Jr. who took over for Davis in the slot in the Fiesta Bowl and had eight catches for a touchdown. Now Styles can play multiple positions for the Fighting Irish, could play the slot, but the Irish want to get their best three wide receivers on the field. I think we know for sure Styles is one of the three, then the battle ensues for the other spots. Brayden Lindsey was the winner of the vote. He got 62.9%. I totally understand the feeling that Lindsey could have the bigger impact just because in glimpses and small sequences, we see the outstanding things that Brayden Lindsay can do for this offense. His electrifying speed. I'm not going to say his track speed. He wants to be known as a wide receiver not a track guy. So we'll just say his electrifying speed. It can be a difference maker. A jet sweep. Buzzing down the field on a deep route. Lindsay is a guy that can take the top off a of defense. Davis more of a, a guy that you can count on to make catches. Middle of the field secure the football, make a little move after the catch. He can do that, but Lindsey is the guy that can give you the home run. So Lindsey got 62.9% of the vote, Davis 37.1%. Last year, Lindsey had 32 catches, 350 yards, three touchdowns. Davis, of course, ACL injury in November, 27 catches for 386 and four touchdowns. For their careers, Lindsey 50 catches, six touchdowns, Davis, 66 catches, and eight trips to the end zone. So the number's pretty close. Now Davis has played a little more than Lindsay, but the number's very similar. So Lindsay wins our vote. As the Notre Dame receiver between he and Davis, it'll have the biggest impact on the 2022 Irish offense. Here comes today's question. According to BetMGM, the over-under... For total points in the Notre Dame at Ohio State game is 58 and a half. Today's question: Do you believe the game will go over or under 58 and a half points? You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat Notre Dame, Ohio State. Total points. The number according to BetMGM is 58 and a half. You can go under you can go over it last check the voting was very tight we'd love for you to vote on twitter at 960 sports beat we will pass along the results on tomorrow's budweiser's weekday sports beat and have a brand new question ready to roll Sportsbeat brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, Bowler's Country Club, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Pet Refuge. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Leading off on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder.
3: That
0: boy's good.
1: Number nine. Nine times.
0: Nine times.
1: Nine times. West league champion. Adios. Walk off home
3: run. Eloy
1: Jimenez. Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios. Goodbye. And maybe that's a winner. Here's Darren Pritchett.
3: My guy Eloy not in the lineup for the White Sox today as they play a matinee out in Denver, Colorado against the Rockies. Looked like it was going to be a long day for the Sox as Lucas Giolito gave up three runs in the first inning but then posted four shutout innings after that. And the White Sox have battled back. Yasmani Grandal, a two-RBI single in the fourth inning. And now Tim Anderson has picked up an RBI. In the seventh inning, White Sox and Rockies are 3-3 top of the seventh inning out at Coors Field. Big chance for the White Sox. If they win this game, they can pick up a full game on first place Minnesota. The Twins have lost to the Milwaukee Brewers this afternoon, 10-4. So the White Sox have a chance to get to within two games of first place Minnesota in the AL Central if they can pull out this win. And right now they have first and third two out with Yon Mancata at the dish in a 3-3 game in the seventh inning out in Colorado. Well, the Major League Baseball trade deadline is August the 2nd at 6 o'clock. There are a lot more teams looking to buy than sell this year compared to past years. One of the major reasons why, the extra playoff spot in each league. That has caused a lot more teams to hang on to their assets trying to make the postseason. So there are more teams trying to make the playoffs than not make the playoffs. And the Chicago Cubs fall into that latter category. They are going through another sequence where they are tanking and trying to gain the advantage in the draft. Although I don't believe they can draft in the top 10 this year. There's some new rules about major market teams and not being able to draft early in consecutive years. I'm going to have to do a little research on it. Heard a little bit about it the other day. But apparently the Cubs can pick no better than 10th, I believe, this year. Again, I'll do a little research and get back to you on that. But the Cubs right now have a handful of players that are being looked at by major league teams. Now, there's no doubt three guys stand out more than any other in terms of players being asked about. Catcher Wilson Contreras, outfielder Ian Happ, and right-handed closer David Robertson. Contreras is 30 years old. I think there are a lot of people that route for the Chicago Cubs are mystified why the Chicago Cubs are not interested in locking up Contreras long-term sign him for four or five years. He's 30. You sign him for five years. You get him through his age 35 season. He's not a player that breaks down a whole lot in a position where it's easy to get broken down. Now catchers talents. They can go away very, very quickly but Contreras is a really good offensive player. He's an adequate defensive player. But the Cubs have decided that they feel like there is more value in trading Contreras than making him part of the foundation of the next team that tries to make the postseason, which might be still two years away. And that probably answers our question right there. The Cubs probably aren't expecting to make a push for the playoffs until 2000. 24. 2023 might be like 2014 where the Cubs started to arrive a little early. And then 2015, they emerged as a serious contender to win a world championship. Now, I think the Cubs are farther away than they were back then. I mean, look at the talents they had on the horizon. Schwarber, Bryant, Contreras, Baez, all those guys were coming. Now there's some interesting outfielders in the Cubs system right now, but I just think it's really unfair to try to compare this batch of Cub prospects to the one that rolled into Chicago just about seven or eight years ago. But Contreras is a free agent after this year. So the Cubs do lose a little value since he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to get a good haul back. I still think the Houston Astros is a very logical landing spot for Contreras. That's my expectation where he may land. Maybe Seattle is an outside contender as well. Colton hitting 258, but the on-base spectacular 374, 14 homers, 37 driven in. Ian Hap will be in demand over the next few days. Hap will turn 28 in August. He is going to be arbitration eligible this year, a free agent after 24. So there's a little more value in Hap. This isn't just a rental. You get him through the 2024 season. So you basically get him for two years and two months. Hap after a disastrous season last year has had a terrific turnaround campaign, hitting 282, the on-base terrific at 367, 9 homers and 44 driven in. He was not a major league competitive player, batting right-handed, but he is a whole lot better this year. He is more of a threat from the left side but much more competitive from the right side. To me, there are a couple of teams that would be really good fits for Hap. I think the San Diego Padres To me, he just looks like a Padre player, that switch hitter, versatile, can do a little bit of everything. I think Hap would fit in well there. I think the Toronto Blue Jays might be an outside contender looking to add another corner outfielder as they have George Springer in center field. They could use possibly Hap in left field or use him as kind of in a rotation with other players as a designated hitter. So Hap, I think he will be in demand. And you might get a little more for Hap than you expect since he has a little more control. The third player I mentioned, David Robertson. Now he's 37 years old. Cubs picked him up probably with the thought, hey, if this guy pitches well, we can flip him at the trade deadline for some really good assets. Well, what do you know? Robertson, 35 games, 39 innings, 50 strikeouts with a 183 ERA. His whip is below one. All terrific numbers. 14 saves for Robertson. So the Cubs made some very questionable free agent acquisitions during the offseason. But this is one that probably is going to pay off. And I think they can flip Robertson for something they can use over the next couple of years. Contenders are going to want David Robertson, if not for their closer, they will move him to a setup role. So the Cubs have positioned themselves to have three players with some pretty good value right now at the trade deadline, Contreras, Happ, and Robertson. I think a guy that might be sneaky valuable, and I think there will be a handful of teams interested in this guy, but I think Michael Givens, The right-handed reliever, he's 32 years old. Another guy the Cubs signed looking to flip. And he's had a really, really good season, quietly, 38 and two-thirds innings, 48 strikeouts with a 2.79 ERA. Now, the whip is a little high at almost 1.3. But Gibbons from the right side, I think he's going to be a player the Cubs will flip for something. Maybe not a lot, but an asset that could possibly help them down the line. I'm wondering if Drew Smiley will be a player in demand. 33 years old, the Cubs have had him a couple of times. The South Bend Cubs have had him on rehab assignments a couple of times. Free agent after this year as well. But Smiley in 55 innings, a 3.23 ERA with 43 strikeouts. One thing about this market, at the trade deadline, there is not a whole lot of quality starting pitching that is available. The number of quality starters out there, ready to be traded, extremely thin list. So Smiley is not going to bring you a whole lot back, but I think there's got to be a couple of teams in the pennant chase looking for a left-hander that could come out of the bullpen. You can use him as a starter. I think Smiley could help a team, again, like Givens, not sure you're going to get a whole lot back for him. People have kicked around Patrick Wisdom, doing a little research on Wisdom. He's 30 years old now, third baseman, pre-arbitration eligible. You've got him for three more years of control. I don't think he's a foundation piece for the Chicago Cubs. Nice player to have around right now during this tank job. Hitting 220 with a 317 on base, neither, neither of those numbers very impressive. He has 17 home runs. When he hits it, it goes a long way. He unfortunately just does not get on base a whole lot. So wisdom, not sure there's going to be a lot of demand for him. You have him under control, and I'm not sure there's really a third baseman waiting in the wings for Chicago. That might be a spot they improve their team down the line in free agency. So that's a look at some of the players that could be leaving the Chicago Cubs between now and the trade deadline, August the 2nd at 6 p.m., Eastern time. This is the first time the trade deadline has fallen during sports beat. Normally it's over three, four o'clock. So this is going to be a little different. So there's probably going to be a lot of action in that final hour. So we'll try to track it for you here on WSBT radio. Five fifty-three 53 is our time. That's going to be a, another different looking cub team after the trade deadline. Maybe not as dramatic as what we saw last year when Rizzo, Bryant, Baez were all traded, but Contreras and Happ likely on the move. They had a very emotional hug in the Cub dugout yesterday after beating the Pirates, knowing that this is probably their last home game with the Chicago Cubs as Chicago is heading out on the road. They're in San Francisco next. Eventually they'll make their way down to St. Louis for a series next weekend at Bush Stadium. All right, 554 is our time. Beat continues in just a couple of moments. We've got a Sports Center update on the way in just a few moments. Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, talks fighting Irish football pre-camp in just a couple of moments on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams down the sideline. Williams chased by Gamble. Twenty, ten, what a run! Touchdown! Spectacular run! Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Herb Smith touchdown. Five by Rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host. Darren
3: we move into the second hour Budweiser's weekday sports feed on this Wednesday July the 27th of 2022 nine days away from Notre Dame football fall practice getting underway of course my next guest Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated blueandgold.com will keep you covered on everything happening with fall camp along with the rest of the staff. Again, you can check out Tyler at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He is the Notre Dame football beat reporter for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. I'm not sure if you're a movie critic or not, but along with being the Notre Dame football beat reporter, I guess you got to be Siskel or Ebert here for a second, and give me your thoughts on the Notre Dame social media presentation today, unveiling the jerseys for the Shamrock Series game in Las Vegas, and they go with a parody of the movie The Hangover. What did you think?
2: Well, I love The Hangover, and I have ever since it came out when – I'm going to date some some people, and I'm not dating myself, but I think I was in grade, maybe, (laughs) 7th or 8th grade when the first one came out. Maybe even 6th grade, I don't know. I can say for sure I was in middle school. However, obviously, as I've gotten older, I'm 26 now, that movie has never lost taste with me. I think it's a classic. If it's on TV, you click on it. If you're hanging out with your buddies, you watch it. So to see Notre Dame sprinkle in... Uh, a spoof of it on their social media today and really well done production we were just talking before we got on here i thought all of the elements were awesome the acting was great i think some of the acting was was better than others on the part of uh marcus freeman michael mayer isaiah posky you can watch it and, and judge for yourself but just the fact that they're playing in las vegas and they were able to incorporate a movie that was obviously set in las vegas and Ultimately, at the very end of that, reveal the jerseys that they're going to be wearing in the Shamrock Series game against BYU. Uh, four minutes well worth your time on the Notre Dame main Twitter account. If you guys haven't seen it yet, I don't know what you're doing. You're living under a rock because <laughs> it was fantastic.
3: Here's the first thing that comes to mind. Should a seventh grader have been watching the hangover?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, don't tell, don't tell my mom and
2: dad. I, mean, I may have just told on myself.
3: <laughs> hey, one thing about that presentation today that might get lost in the shuffle, but I I got a big chuckle out of it. Michael Mayer plays the Allen character and his t-shirt. Did you notice his t-shirt?
2: Oh, yeah, it was the uh, it was the
3: baby, right? Yeah, in the sling is on the t-shirt. that mm-hmm. was that was terrific. Job well done by everybody with that particular presentation. And you know what, Tyler, when you have a head coach, That is energetic. He's got a great smile, great personality. You use it to your advantage. When they unveiled the green jerseys to be worn against Cal, he was front and center in that video. He did a tremendous job in that video. He was great as Bradley Cooper in this particular video. I just like the fact that Notre Dame is thinking outside of the box and using their head coach, who has a little movie star to him right now in the eyes of a lot of Irish football fans.
2: Oh, that's, that's spot on. Um, he's a unique coach. I think not a lot of programs have a 36 year old who played college football, played college football at the highest level for one of the best programs in the country at Ohio state 15 years ago or, you know, 16 years ago, whatever it was. And like you said, he's, he's youthful. He's energetic. He has that smile. I think I've said it before on here that he could be on the cover of GQ and and it would pass. it, It would work. So If Notre Dame is not getting that guy out there on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it may be, they're doing a disservice to themselves. And obviously this is about more than social media, you know, hits and clicks. And when it comes time to play football this fall, they want Marcus Freeman to be a really good head football coach, but it's, it's the end of July. You know, people are still in summer mode. People are still out at the pool and stuff. They want to laugh. You want to laugh in the summertime. That's what Notre Dame did. I mean, I woke up, immediately saw that video. I covered the team, and I was chuckling. And to see Marcus Freeman at the center of it, uh, I think last year, Kyron Williams and Houston Griffith were on the field at Soldier Field, and they tried to creatively do something, you know, funny or special to unveil that jersey, and it just – it was cool. But it didn't resonate like this one, obviously. So I think Notre Dame realizes that it has something unique in Marcus Freeman and they're absolutely doing the right things to convey that to the public.
3: All right, Saban, you're up next. How are you going to top that? <laughs> I'm not sure what movie he could do, but we'll, we'll see what happens, although I'm not sure he needs to do all those things right now down there in Tuscaloosa. All right, let's talk about Notre Dame football as we are getting very, very close to the start of fall camp. Let me ask you about, the Notre Dame football team from this standpoint, now you can go individual position group or less general, however you want to do this, but what part of the Notre Dame football team do you have zero concern about going into fall camp? And when I mean zero concern, that means they're going to come out, whoever they are and play at a high level, and you're not going to have to worry about them against Ohio state and beyond.
2: Well, when you ask that question, I wrestled two different position groups in my mind, and this should be comforting for a Notre Dame fan or anyone who thinks that football is one in the trenches, I think offensive line or defensive line. And when I really look at the two, I'm going to give a slight edge to the defensive line. I don't think there's going to be any issue with those guys. You have Isaiah Foskey, a guy who almost broke the Notre Dame single season sack record a year ago. On the other side, You have Riley Mills, who I think is going to be a breakout player. I think he's going to have a ton of sacks, maybe even double-digit sacks. And if you have two guys who are getting double-digit sacks, your defensive ends are set. And then you don't really need too much depth at defensive end. That's a position where you can tell an Isaiah Foskey, you're going to play 80% of the snaps, just go out there and try to get the quarterback. But if you do want a third guy at defensive end, you've got Justin Adamalola, who – Finished second on the team in sacks last year and didn't start a single game. So, if that's your number three guy, you're really set at defensive end. And then you could try Nana Safo Mensa, uh, maybe an Alex Ahrensberger. I think those are two really talented guys who have just been waiting for their turn as well. So, at defensive end, you're set. Jason Adamalola, I just wrote about him at blueandgold.com mm-hmm. in our top 25 player countdown. And in that article, I wrote he, he might have been arguably Notre Dame's best overall defensive player last year, even better than Fosky. He had more quarterback pressures. Mm-hmm from the interior of the defensive line than Foskey did, who, like I said, his job is just line up, go get the quarterback. So you got a guy who's creating that much pressure on the inside, returning. There's three of the four guys set on the defensive line. And then obviously you have to replace Kurt Heinish, but I think Jacob Lacey could do that. There's some other guys, Chris Smith, who's coming in from Harvard. We don't even really know what yeah. he looks like, but he's an experienced guy and he brings experience. So, There's guys on the interior that can play, and if you line them up next to a Jason Adamolola and you have those guys on the outside that I just talked about, I've got no worries about this Notre Dame defensive line. I think it's going to get after quarterbacks, and Notre Dame's playing a lot of really good quarterbacks, and they have one in week one in T.J. Stroud. So if the name of the game is to get to the quarterback in this era of college football, Notre Dame has a defensive line that can do that.
3: You know, I think back to 2019, I was sitting at a Notre Dame football pro day with Eric Hansen and Mike Elston, the former Irish defensive line coach, walked over to us and he just started talking about some of his players and he could not say enough great things about Jacob Lacey leading into his freshman year. In fact, he thought he was one of his most productive guys he felt like going forward. Now, there have been some injuries and some hit and misses for Jacob Lacey, but this is a great opportunity, Tyler, for Jacob Lacey to have a true impact on this football team and maybe fulfill some of that promise that Mike Elston talked about several years ago.
2: I absolutely think so, and obviously you don't want to wait until your senior year for a chance to start, but sometimes when you play at a place like Notre Dame, That's how it pans out. Like you said, injuries, maybe some guys on the depth chart get their shot before you do, but here he is. You know, he has his chance, and, you know, if he's going to start week one, he's got to have a good fall camp because I think there is some pressure on him. Like I said, we don't know what Chris Smith looks like, but he could come in and, you know, maybe Al Washington says, whoa, that guy looks like, you know, one of our best four defensive linemen right now. How are we going to keep him off the field in the first series of a football game? That's good competition marcus freeman told us uh, over the off season or, or about a month ago in his office during our one-on-one visit with him that he loves competition at you know singular positions so right there we're talking defensive tackle he wants jacob lacy to be pushed by a guy like chris smith or he wants jacob lacy to be pushed by a guy like gabriel rubio who's a true sophomore but I really think he's going to be a fantastic defensive tackle. He, you know, you talk about that conversation that you had with Mike Elston three years ago. You know, Gabriel Rubio is a guy that people might, be, yeah. might have been talking about last year who two years from now might be, you know, legit starter at defensive tackle. So there's, it goes back to what I was saying about depth and, and competition. Notre Dame has tons of it all over the defensive line at all four positions. And that's why I think that that group's going to be really, really good.
3: All right, Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Joining me, Darren Pritchett, on Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. So the defensive line is the part of the football team. You can close your eyes. You don't have to worry about them. They're going to be excellent. All right, let's flip the coin. Going into fall camp, what area of the football team, again, it can be an individual, a position group, or something more expansive. What area of the football team has you... I don't want to say concern, but how about we put it this way? They have to show you before you're all in on them.
2: I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to say the wide receivers. And I think maybe in some of these conversations, we've been a little too hard on them just because a lot of them are young. Like Lorenzo Styles is a true sophomore. Deion Colsey is a true sophomore. Jaden Thomas, a true sophomore. Tobias Merriweather just got here over the summer He's another one of those guys that we haven't seen in the Notre Dame uniform yet. There's four of your eight scholarship wide receivers who, you know, are, are, are kind of question marks. I think we know styles is going to be really good, but he's not, you know, he could be susceptible to a sophomore slump or if you even want to call it that, I mean, putting a lot of pressure on a guy who has only started a handful of games. And that's only because Avery Davis went down with an ACL injury. And then, you know, speaking of Davis, we might be a little too hard on these guys because you can't control a thing like an ACL injury or, in Joe Wilkins' case, an MCL injury on top of a broken foot in the spring. And Brayden Lindsey has had his injury issues. So when you ask the question, you phrase it to where you've got to show me. These guys have to show me that they can stay healthy for the older guys. And then the younger guys have to show me that they can do, stay healthy on top of just being productive. Because right now I think there's question marks with a guy like, Deion Colesley, who has all the physical tools. He's tall. He's fast. He's lanky. He's everything you want in a boundary receiver. But can he do it game in and game out? And you know, it took Kevin Austin Jr. with injuries and, and some other things, of course.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, four, four years to do that. And we're asking Deion Colesley to do that in year two. So I think the wide receiver group is the ultimate prove it to me position on this Notre Dame roster. And then, of course, you have to factor in that they're they're going to be getting passes thrown to them by a first-year starting quarterback, whether it's Tyler Buckner, who we think that's who it's going to be, or Drew Pine. You know, both of those guys have not started a football game at this level. So uh, they're, they're going to have to prove a lot. The wide receivers are going to have to help the quarterbacks and vice versa. So, um, like I said, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but everything keeps going back to those Notre Dame wide receivers just because there's so many question marks for various reasons.
3: Well, I know Lorenzo Styles has a lot of versatility. I got to be honest with you, Tyler. I'm really intrigued if he would stay in the slot. I think that's an area of the offense the last few years. Notre Dame needs to be a little more explosive in that spot. Avery Davis is a good, solid player, 66 catches in his Notre Dame career, eight receiving touchdowns, had the big catch against Clemson when the Irish beat Clemson in overtime at Notre Dame Stadium a couple of years ago. But I'm really intrigued to see coming out against Ohio State, is Styles in the slot? Do they move him and put Avery Davis in that particular position once again like He held that position before the ACL injury last November. I think there's some moving parts, and not to throw another subject into this question, but I also think going into this first game, Tyler, the wide receiver position needs to really come through because I think Tommy Reese loses a little bit of his versatility. The injuries at the running back position, doesn't that limit the opportunities that you might want to use Chris Tyree out there as a wide receiver in some formations?
2: I think it does. I think that's definitely something that Tommy Reese is thinking about. Um, he would definitely get catch some flack for throwing uh, Chris Tyree into the slot and, and maybe he you know, rolls his ankle coming out of a break or gets lit up over the middle, all those things that you don't want to happen, but they do happen in a college football game. So, yes, absolutely, that, that limits some of his creativity with Tyree. I think there's going to be situations where – yeah, maybe you put Avery Davis back in the slot where he's played, you know, after all of his position switches early in his career. Once he moved to wide receiver, you know, he he is a true slot receiver. So that's where you put him. Maybe you get him on the field at the same time as Lorenzo Styles. I think that's where Notre Dame can be. They, they can throw some different looks at defenses because you've got two guys who look like they should be playing the same position, but they're on the field at the same time. So now you got to account for – you know, basically two slot receivers. Maybe they're on opposite ends on the field. Maybe they're on the same end. I think that would help him out. Um, I I think we go back to the boundary-wide receiver position. I said last week or two weeks ago that Tobias Merriweather was Mm -hmm. the guy to watch this fall camp. I think he's going to be pushing Deion Colsey, but, but if that's the case, it goes back to the same thing I was saying about Colsey where, you know, he's only been on campus for a year, Tobias has only been on campus for a couple months. So you've got inexperience there. Tommy Reese knows that. But, hey, these guys are going to have to step up because there's no other choice. Like I said, there's only eight scholarship wide receivers. One of them is a former walk-on in Matt Salerno. So, um, Michael Mayer, I I hope you're ready to catch a lot of passes because you're going to (laughs) be split out wide a whole bunch too. And, um, obviously, Mitchell Evans is out with an injury right now too. So maybe you should – Tommy, we should think about wrapping some of these guys in bubble wrap. I know, the, <laughs> I know the, the fall camp is a time to really get the gears going and get ready for that season opener, but the last thing this Notre Dame roster needs is more of those offensive skill position players to go down.
3: Boy, we're getting short on time. These segments go by so fast. Let me sneak in one more question for you. I asked this on Twitter earlier this week. I'm going to get your answer. Which quarterback competition do you believe is closer starting fall camp? The battle for number one, Buckner versus Pine, or what I would believe to be the number two battle, Pine versus Angeli, which is closer at the start of fall camp?
2: Oh yeah, I saw this on Twitter, and you got me thinking, and at the time I I didn't really have an answer, but I think we're going to need to see a little more of Steve Angeli. I know we saw him for the entire spring because he was an early enrollee, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, I cut those guys a lot of slack then. I don't really, you know, judge their performances, especially in practices. And he was he was hardly getting any of the reps, maybe 5% of the reps that we saw during those practices. So, But what he did in the blue-gold game, I think, changes everything, and it makes your question very valid. I think they might be, uh, this might not be a fun answer, but I think they might be equally as close. And... I'll put the caveat in there that Buckner has a chance to really separate this fall. And then once we see him in a game, for sure, we could say, okay, yes, he's the clear number one. Now let's start talking about Pine versus Angeli. But as it stands, I would say Buckner is as much ahead of Pine as Pine is ahead of Angeli, if that okay. makes sense. So okay. I think it, there's, there's a lot of competition within that quarterback unit just because the element of the unknown.
3: Blue and Gold Illustrated, com. People need to get signed up now because it is go time for Notre Dame football, Tyler.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I want to plug something that's coming out. Uh, I'm actually headed out of town. It's the last time I'll be in Texas before, back home in Texas before the season starts. So taking a chill weekend. But before I get out of here, I've got a story on quarterback CJ Carr, who obviously committed to Notre Dame in the 2024 class a month and a half ago or so. Really good story on C.J. Carr going up in the morning about his family, about his background that all Notre Dame fans are going to want to read. And then if you're at home right now listening to this, hop on to our YouTube channel as well. C.J. Carr is going to be live with Mike Singer and Ashton Pollard and Tim Hyde to talk about the jersey reveal like we did, talk about all things Notre Mm -hmm. Dame football. So um, that'll be a really cool watch. And if you can't catch it live, then just go to our YouTube channel and you can catch it um, whenever you've got some time. But I guess it's, it's CJ Car Week at blueandgold.com. <laughs> and based on the way Notre Dame fans have received him yeah. you know, in the month and a half since he's committed, I, I think they'd be very happy to find all of that content on our properties.
3: Tyler, safe travels to you. Looking forward to getting you back in town as we get ready for fall camp, and we will visit with you again soon. All right, Darren, thanks. Thanks so much. Tyler Horker, Notre Dame Football Beat Reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, 628 at WSBT.
0: Hi, Dennis Meisel.